Did you know that we're exposed to thousands of commercial messages every day? And are you aware that consumers tend to trust what influencers say about brands much more than what brands say about themselves? When brands need to cut through the noise and reach consumers, influencer channels offer an unrivaled space to create genuine, meaningful dialogue and connect directly with consumers on their terms. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, a leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to understand more about influencer marketing and why it's such a powerful channel when it comes to building trust in your target group. Every Wednesday, we'll cover topics such as how to build a successful influencer marketing strategy, how to measure the effects, the role of influencer marketing in the overall media mix, and of course, the latest trends and insights on what's up in the influencer marketing and social media sphere. And we know you're busy, so every episode is right around 15 minutes. Perfect to tune into on your morning walk, during your morning routine, or on your way to and from work. Join us and our expert guests to stay up to date and take your marketing strategy to the next level with influencer marketing. The world's fastest growing marketing method. I'm Sana Oudmark. And I'm Frida Ekholm. And this is Influencer Marketing Talks. This is the second part of the interview with Jonas Kuliander on the science of influencer marketing. You'll find the first part of the interview below this episode. Check it out. Right. We talked a bit about it uh, a minute ago that, for example, it needs to be a match between the influencer in this case, and the brand. Except from that, do you have any advice for brands when it comes to how companies shall treat this phenomena for marketing purposes? I mean, this, the, the, and then one of the mistake I, I, I still encounter a lot that I see is just that people, people assume that people, as long as someone has, you know, a lot of followers and as an influencer, then everything will work. And it's, it's, yeah. it's related to what I said before, but it's actually so much that, that, uh, that comes in uh, to see whether, whether or not something is effective. So I think the, the matching of, of, of brand and, and profile and interest is, is key because one of the, one of the factors that we see or the most important factors for success in sponsored content that we see in the research is this whole idea of credibility. I mean, if and credibility boils down to two things, really it boils down to the expertise and it boils down to trustworthiness, both to both, both those two have to be present for, for credibility to be there. I mean, and expertise is quite, is quite simple. I mean, the person has to know what he or she is talking about basically. And yeah. that's where sort of a match comes in. But trustworthiness, the other component, is is more interesting. I mean, that really boils down to 
the fact that it has to be the person has to believe in what he or she is saying or has to be perceived as believing in what he or she is saying and that's more complex and that really boils down to someone you know the the image of this person and the image of the company they have to match uh, match at a more at a more abstract level if i may if i may use that term and it really yeah. it's again well, not it has to be believable that this person would actually actually use this, and then that's being more that's more not as easy to measure, and it's more difficult to to get that across. And you have to really have to, even though it's you know on paper it could seem to be to be perfect matches, yeah. Then re- you know sometimes it doesn't work, and I think that is that that factor is overlooked a lot, and that I think. Um, that that's, when you're calculating things in a in a at a marketing department, that factor is often overlooked. I think that's something you need to work with sort of influencers themselves uh, a lot when you create this this communication because they are the ones who, who know their followers best, and they're the ones who knows sort of they often or the good ones often have sort of an instinctual you know um, feeling for what's going to work or not and what's being what's being what's going to be effective or not so yeah. i would say uh, one of the one of the key mistakes that i see a lot is that people people try to 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 dictate too much and not giving influences sort of the 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 freedom to to shape the content in ways that would suit their particular audience yeah they know their followers the best yeah they they they're the ones who know knows what work and i think when you're trying to to steer it too much and in one certain direction to fit some sort of corporate profile or, or or something like that then then it usually uh, or usually i wouldn't say uh, usually but it's sometimes that's mm-hmm. whether it's more likely that that will fail than if you give sort of the person who's ultimately responsible and whose channel this is being broadcast on exactly. if you give that person the creative freedom to create the message then i think it's more likely to succeed than if you dictate how things are going to look because then it's it often comes across as inauthentic yeah, um, more that, like that, this, advertising. Like yeah, exactly, and and then it lacks this trustworthiness component, and as a result, you think you automatically assume that, or this commercial filter becomes becomes stronger, and then people tend to disregard that communication more readily than 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 if something more appears more authentic and and native to the to that particular channel. Definitely, it's a fine line there to to create content that you actually can repost and use in your own marketing yeah. um, channels and that it looks like your brand content. But still, as you say, it's so important to give this creative freedom and trust because they are the ones who have spent years and so much time building up this audience and this relationship. Yeah, but I mean, and it's also really, a, a, it's a, it's been a steep learning curve for a lot of companies who are used to, because they typically, in traditional media, they can control everything because it's yeah. it's uh, it's the way to, to do things. But in these channels, you have to, and it's one of the most difficult things for, for a lot of managers, I think, it's to, to, to you know, let, let go. Yeah, let go of and, the control, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's really difficult, but I think it's also quite necessary because otherwise, um, you know, as I said, again, the trustworthiness component is lost, and that's the key element for this kind of marketing to succeed. And moving on to the final multi-billion dollar question, which I know is hard to answer in just a few minutes, but would you say is it is it possible to say something about the future of influence marketing and these things that we have talked about? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish I had a perfectly accurate, you know, crystal ball to look into <laughs> and how it would that look. That would be so nice. Yeah, that would be awesome. But uh, unfortunately, I don't. But I can. I, I have a few sort of observations that I that I that I've been making over when looking at sort of the broader picture of this. And one is the is sort of the the um, emergence of more more specialized and, and smaller influencers that I see growing everywhere. So the rise of, of macro and, and nano influencers, uh, particularly, is, is, I think is very interesting from a research perspective, given how how you know smaller influencers have you know smaller reach, but the sort of effect that the effect per per hit or per message that they have with followers tend to be a lot stronger and how and one of the i think one of the key issues is how you can again this is, goes back to the credibility that i talked about earlier and i think one of the key um key challenges is how to to um from a business perspective is how to to use these these smaller influences in, in, a, in an effective way and, and create sort of effective networks of a lot of smaller influencers that are at what at the same time that you can where you can adapt and where, where messages work yeah and i think that's going to be a, a a key factor going forward how to to handle this dynamic between smaller more specialized influencers between nano influencers and these huge mega mm mega stars that are out there and how to to create sort of an effective um strategy where you utilize all these different different types of influencers yeah. i think that's going to be um going to be really interesting to to see how that dynamic works out another uh, yeah another uh, that would you know, the eternal question is of course i mean where the preferences of 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 uh of people are going to go in terms of what kind of media are, are we are we looking at what's going to be effective? What what format is going to grow, and which one's gonna it's going to decrease? I mean, the the audio format, from what it's, I mean, what's I think is is there an interest? We're on a pod here, and I think that's that's something that's uh, that's going to be really interesting moving forward. Still, it's I mean, it is is an old it's an old medium, but you see growth of, of Clubhouse and all these different um, different new yeah, it's popping new up new media. Ones. Yeah, and I see how how that's going to work out, and how you know how what's going to be because what's what's effective in one media with with images and and how you sort of signal credibility in that media is completely different when you when you when you have other forms of, of expression. So yeah, I think that dynamic and how how these how these channels are evolving is one under other um, it's one other really interesting factor. And the third one, I'm I'm really curious about is how and that's maybe not as, as sexy but it's still really interesting you know see how these regulatory landscapes i mean we're talking a lot about the power of big tech and how that's going to be regulated and what what are the what are the implications of all that if 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 you know what what the big platforms are allowed to do if that changes and all the whole privacy discussions with in within the eu and in the in the u.s uh, yeah. How that's going to affect the the business and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do, um, in terms of data collection and and uh, you know privacy issues and so on, and see how yeah. that. I think we're talking about a lot about these you know commercial commercial aspects and how that's going to influence businesses. But I think, I mean, the large changes and the biggest effects probably going to come from from regulatory processes. And and that's yeah. I mean again it's not as as fun to talk about but it's it's, still it's important. Uh, 
It's an important one, and and um, you know, following for anyone interested in these issues, I think you have to to uh, sadly you have to know a little about what the workings of the U.S. Congress and and uh, sort of the EU agencies responsible for these issues, because what they decide is going to have a huge effect on on uh, everything digital, basically. And I think people with a stake in this uh, perhaps need to get involved a little bit more in, in how these processes work. Because it's going to have, uh, uh, if, if something's being regulated in a certain way, it's going to affect what all of us are allowed to do, even us as researchers with data collection and things yeah. like that. So yeah. so we need to pay more, even though it's boring, we need to pay more, more uh, we have to be more interested in what's going on in Brussels and in Washington, I think. Interesting. And I mean, as we said previously, things are moving so fast in this industry. So it's super important for yeah, both researchers, marketers, but also consumers to have the ear against the ground and to see, stay on track on what's happening and how you can adapt your strategy um, and what you can do and what you can't. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, would, I think this whole, the whole, um, the whole idea or the whole sort of um, aspect of, of disinf- on the disinformation and social media yeah. that's coming out, that's going to cause a lot of regulations probably coming within the near future. And that's going to affect everyone, not just you know, the troll farms in, in, that are spreading, mm-hmm. spreading poison, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to have ripple effects across the influencer industry as well. So it's need to Definitely. take close attention to it. Thank you so much, Jonas, for guesting us today and sharing your insights and thoughts. Well, thank you for having me. I hope I, I uh, hope I made for decent content. You did. It was really interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you.